Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Secret Birds HQ podcast, soon to be called Rare Birds. And I am the CEO and founder. My name is Joanne Hamilton. And welcome to podcast episode number 96. And tonight or this morning, depending or this afternoon, depending on where you are in the world, I would like to welcome T.A. Simone Blackwood to the show. Hello, Simone. Hi, Joanne. Thanks for having me. My Hi, everyone. Yeah, my pleasure, my pleasure. So it's morning time for you there in Trinidad, where you're based? It is, 10 a.m. Yes, and for me here in China, it is 10 p.m. Yeah, I have you up late, Joanne. That's all good. If you only knew the, <laughs> the erratic times, I, 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 I have to um, wake up and go to bed to do these podcasts, but it's all good. I love doing it. So podcast episode 96 with Simone. So let me tell you guys a little bit about Simone. Simone is a ger gerontologist. Gerontologist, I said that right, and managing director yes. of the Global Senior Care Institute Limited, the leading senior care institute in the Caribbean. And she has a combined experience of nursing, training, and leadership for the past five years. She holds a diploma in gerontology from the London School of Science and Management, a bachelor's degree in nursing science, and she's also a trained and certified life skills trainer. She holds a certificate in health professional teaching level two and three and is also trained and certified in caring for persons with developmental and intellectual disabilities. All right, Simone, just in case um, others don't know this, I actually have never heard of a gerontologist until before now. That's probably why I can't pronounce the word properly. Okay, so Mrs. Blackwood operates with her core values in mind, which are ethics, professionalism, compassion, and maintaining client trust. She began tutoring in geriatric care when she realized there was a need for a more holistic approach and structure to provide effective elderly care. She equips her clients, family members, and caregivers with the necessary knowledge and skills to achieve optimal health care for their aging family members. This is done through the facilitating of geriatric training courses, seminars, one-on-one -on -one sessions, and one-day workshops. So please welcome Simone to the show. Hi, Simone. Hi, Joanne. Thank you again. Yeah. So, I'll be, okay, I knew, I knew about geriatrics and, and that kind of thing, but I have never heard of a gerontologist. So today we're going to be discussing gerontology, life, profession, and business with Simone. So, Simone, would you like to start by telling us a bit just about you, who you are, and how you got into this work, this unique work. Yeah, so um, as your introduction said, I basically started out in the nursing arena, um, working in the hospitals, and after I finished my degree, I figured that there is a little bit more for me to do. Um, I've always had that connection with the elderly, and it, it sounds funny because I've never really had a connection with my uh, biological grandmother per se and so it sort of growing up you always know as a child when something is missing mm. and that was a key aspect in my life that was missing now I've had the um I've had persons around me that act as a, a grandmother figure mm. um but I didn't have that you know biological connection and while they did a good job I must say 
you still know that there are pieces of you that are, are missing. And so I ventured into the field of gerontology um, to expand and, you know, learn more about the field, get, a, get to work with other people who probably may experience the same issue that I have or to work with people who have aging parents and not sure, they're not sure which angle to, you know, care for them. Um, going into gerontology for me has been quite rewarding. It's been great. Um, nothing short of amazing. And I like the reaction I get <laughs> when people ask me, what is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember when we first connected, I was like, gerontology, wow. But that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a good, it's a good opener. It's a good opener at parties or at events or when you meet someone, you say, yeah, so gerontology, you ever heard of that? And just see what they say. I think that'd be a really funny way to start a conversation. Well, actually, that happened yesterday at a meeting. And the really? person opened their eyes, they were like, what? What is that? <laughs> <laughs> so I like, I like to see the reactions with it. But yeah. So basically, that's me in a nutshell. Okay. okay, so then tell us then, Simone, what is gerontology? What is that? Gerontology is actually like a scientific study to mm -hmm. aging. It is more um, paying attention to various um, scientific disciplines. So mm -hmm. when we speak about gerontology, although we know geriatric persons or persons over 65, we look at the other disciplines that form the human aging process, like mm. sociology, we incorporate economy, we incorporate biology, psychology, epidemiology. Those are things that make up the gerontology description, right? Mm. So it's more or less the study of human aging per se. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So what do you do at your company exactly? Okay. Yes, it's a study of, of aging, but what do you do on a day-to-day -day basis? What do you do for your clients? Okay, so first, before I go into that, I think it's important to note that there are actually different types of gerontologists. Okay. So it's not one word where you paint. Um, it, it's not a, a word where you just say, oh, a gerontologist deals with elderly people. No, right? So we have um, research gerontologists, and they do more research on the aging process psychological research, physiological researchers, um, pay attention, they pay attention to the environment mm. in which a person goes and in, in which the person age. And then we have applied gerontologists, which work directly with older persons, like communicating with families, individuals, and, and different groups, stakeholders and stuff um, that have an active stake in the elderly population. And then we have administrative gerontologists, which use their training and management skills to develop programs, coordinate other services that are necessary for um, the aging person. So if I were to say, what am I or what I do on a daily basis? I would say, firstly, I'm a little bit of a mixture of applied and administrative gerontology because mm. what I do on a daily basis is my, well, my clientele would be patients who are at home, um, persons who have aging parents at home. And so I um, have to do home visits, do assessments, put plans of action together, um, work with their caregivers, work with their health team or doctors and so forth, and basically put together a, a plan of action that we work together week 
week by week, sometimes bi-weekly, mm. um, to improve the, the, the care of the elderly persons. I also do, I also perform training. So at the Institute, the Global Senior Care Institute, I train persons who have an active interest in wanting to become geriatric caregivers. Mm. So I train certify them and then we would place them out to um, provide care for the elderly in their homes so we are sort of decentralizing healthcare and trying to take it away I shouldn't say take away from like the main institutions like nursing homes or care facilities but um, studies have shown that persons age better at homes they age better when they have one-on-one care from their family members and from geriatric caregivers mm. so my you mean as opposed shall, to putting as opposed to putting them in a nursing home or facility yeah. yes they are a bit isolated and sometimes what we would find in the nursing homes is that there isn't much activities um to keep them stimulated and that is a major problem when when we speak about elderly they are not person's perception actually of the elderly is that you know what they are 65 they're no longer useful in society. So oh, let's put that no way, no way. Yeah, we <laughs> have that. Yeah, we do, we do. We don't like to admit it, but we actually do. Because mm. if we're walking down the street and we're walking behind a person, an elderly person who walks very slow, we get annoyed. And mm. we'll be like, oh Lord, why is this person on the street? Because you're mm. busy going. And, and you know, so we don't like to admit it, but we actually do it sometimes subconsciously. Um, you know, we do it right mm, and um mm, yeah yeah so, yeah we we do it <laughs> so i my day basically would consist of um planning schedules going to meetings mostly home visits um working with the family members as i said putting plans action plans of care care planning is a a major thing um in my day-to-day schedule crisis intervention is also a big thing for me um Mm. we have to work with persons to make sure that their home the environment is safe Mm. and i actually paid to foresee um possible problems so Mm. when you bring me into your home with your aging family i am you're actually paying me to assess and see things that could possibly go wrong and actually rectify it before it actually happens. So uh, that's my day in a nutshell. And in addition, of course, if I have training sessions, I attend training sessions. Right. You know, one aspect of this conversation is about life, generally just getting older. And based on your experience working in this profession, what would you say where you are in Trinidad, or if you want to talk about the wider Caribbean, is the attitude towards aging and or the elderly? There are people, um, there are young persons who actually love the field mm-hmm. and they want to get into it. But I think also that some, sometimes we don't really understand what the field is about. Mm. I think we have a mentality of when we are caring for the aging person, it is like a diaper change and oh, to give them meals and I, I know it sounds bad but I'm, I'm really blunt because I think that that's what most people see it as and elderly people as they grow older they need a more holistic approach mm. in helping them 
one stimulated, keeping them active, right? And a lot of people don't do that. In fact, one of the things I rally against, I highly do not suggest putting elderly people in front of television. Oh, God, Um, yeah. And and this is something that you would see a lot um, with some caregivers on some nursing facilities because they don't want to actually get involved, directly involved, what they would do is put them sit, sitting in front of the television and they would actually just leave them there. That's because a it's a sitter. television is a big past time. So mm. they put them in front of the TV for hours and I rally against that heavily because there is no stimulation there. Mm. And we know as we grow older, our brain shrinks. So mm-hmm. if we're not actively using our brain, we are actually accelerating them to towards declining in aging, mm. right? And I think a lot of people don't understand that perception of aging. I don't think we get or we understand that aging, there is so much more to aging than actually sitting with someone and, you know, tending to their hygiene needs. Why that is important, yeah. there, there are just there's so much more factors to it. I think a lot of a lot of it has to do with culture as well, because I was sharing with you, um, like in certain parts of Europe, they have these programs that bring the elderly together with the really young. So some yeah. cultures are really trying to to, um, to bring different sort of intergenerational groups together. They're really, really young with elderly. Then you have like where I live in China. The elderly play, like grandparents play a major role in Chinese culture. So grandparents actually take care of the kids. So you see them on the bus or on the bike, taking the kids to school, picking them up from school, doing the cooking, doing the cleaning. They have a role to play. And then in the evening, you see them in the park, they're walking, they're doing Tai Chi, they're running. They're so, mm-hmm. yeah, they're so yeah, active. Exactly, exactly, so, I, you know said that my, my mom my mom lives in Canada and I remember one time I was speaking to her and she said Simone there is this elderly lady that is running past me to get the bus and I was like what and she said yes this lady is literally running past me now there are um there are a few uh groups mm. that try to get the elderly together and I wouldn't bash them I think that their 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 heart is in the right place but I think there needs to be more social involvement coming from mm. the homes mm. um, and not just those particular groups or stakeholders trying to get the elderly out because if a, as a person if a person who has an aging mother doesn't see the need to get them out and get them to be active mm. then we're actually talking much so if we need a more community-based approach which is what we've been trying my business colleague and i have been trying to do um get into communities have panel discussions work with the families and get them to understand the concepts of aging and then i think we can take it from there rather than just saying okay well we have this activity for aging if people don't see the importance of it nobody is going to say okay well let me bring mommy there it may be good for her because most persons don't know what is good for them. They think they do. Mm-hmm. And it, it, sometimes you may be on the right track, but you really need at some point in time to get advice. Yeah. Right? And, and, and to understand the steps and the process. And, and, and when persons get older, sometimes we, 
I've experienced this with some of my clients. As they get older, they like things in a more routine and particular way. Yes. Um, uh-huh. Sometimes yeah. I think as we get older, we get a little bit more rigid. Yeah. And some things we don't like change. Even as a young person, sometimes we, we are not adaptable to change. Um, and that is an issue with persons when they get older. So you need intervention at times to get them to be somewhat flexible and to explain to them the importance of getting involved in social groups, getting involved in community groups, getting involved in support groups. And there is a, a, a stigma. If you have an aging parent or you have a sick parent or you have a, a parent with Alzheimer's disease or dementia, people don't like to talk about it for whatever reason. You know, yeah. they don't, they're scared to speak about it. They're scared to, to come out and say, you know, my mom suffers with that and I just don't know how to deal with it. And that's another aspect of my job that I try to let persons know it's okay not to know how to approach that problem. Mm. It's okay. You mm. know, um, I think there are some parts in the Caribbean that people don't, they're not sensitized enough to what Alzheimer's and dementia cares and, and other conditions of the elderly. They are not too sensitized. In fact, I think um, in some places, they, they don't really acknowledge it. They would see an elderly person on the decline and, and they think it's a natural part of aging for the person to um, you know, be forgetful, be moody, be irrational, have poor reasoning skills. And, and, and they don't understand that it's, that is not normal. Yeah. You know, and, so it's uh, awareness has a lot to do with uh, awareness has a lot to do with it uh, to get people out to let them speak about it be more open about what they're experiencing nothing is wrong if you have a parent and you just you can't deal nothing is wrong people mm-hmm. have children and sometimes you can't deal with your children so people everybody has something that they struggle with at some point in time that they can't deal with and that's quite mm-hmm. fine I think also the the culture defines the the attitude towards the elderly. Like we were saying, like your mom in Canada, you know, Canada is a country that I'm sure has a lot of programs and this and that for the elderly. And you see them in the parks and walking and doing this and doing that. And they go to the golf course and, you know, but I think uh, it's, it's the culture. Some cultures really do a lot to support the elderly and they take care of the elderly and then you have some cultures where it's just, okay, you're getting old, let's just put you in a home kind of thing. Yes. So it, I, it just depends. I earlier this year that I think Japan has invested like one point something billion dollars in getting social programs up for the elderly. Mm. Um, I, I will, you know, it's not fair to compare the, government, the, the Caribbean to uh, the resources of China and Japan and so forth. Um, mm. It's not fair, but I think that we could do a little bit more in mm. terms of getting activities, getting more social programs out. Um, you know, the elderly deserve a little bit more than just a Christmas party at the ending of the year. Mm. Um, I, I do I can say of some nursing homes that um, have activities. I, I can name like two off the top of my head that I see have regular activities and engage with the elderly um, in Trinidad and Tobago. I don't know if there are others. I can't say because I've only seen two, but I'm not saying that there aren't any others. I'm just saying I've only seen two. Um, in terms of, as you said, the UK mm. and integrating different programs, we need to understand that, first of all, you need to accept and acknowledge that the person has a problem as mm-hmm. they age before 
you need to see a need for it. And I think our issue is that we don't see a need for it. And that's why we haven't really gone charted that course of getting um, or putting different programs in place. Um, geriatric care at home is a program mm. of the event, I think. Um, however, I am not 100% sure what exactly it entails if there are any stimulant activities there for them to partake in mm. i know some places do crafting and all of that but I, again i really i'm not too certain how effective it is because even if you're doing something joanne you want it to be effective you don't want to just do something because somebody's calling on you to do it you want to do it because it's effective and you would yield some sort of results from it. Um, in relation to what you suggested, what you spoke about in mm. terms of the cultural difference, now I've seen support groups in the U.S. is amazingly huge for aging parents because you have mm. unpaid caregivers, persons who leave their jobs to stay home and take care of their parents, especially mm. if their parents have been um, diagnosed with uh, a neurodegenerative disease or, or some sort of, of their parents are on some sort of cognitive decline. So persons there, you would find that they would stay home, but the difference is sometimes the state pays them to do so. I don't mm. think in the Caribbean, the state has the resources to pay persons to mm. stay home. Mm. And, and, and that is like a, a burden to, it would be like a burden to the state, of course, and it would be a burden to the family if I were to stay home and take care of my aging parent, who's going to work and bring in money. So there are different aspects of the culture that we have to pay attention to and not just say, you know, culture loosely. There are some people mm. that are with you, but really can't, you know? Mm. Mm. Yeah. No, no, that's a really, really good point. I mean, I think about my own parents. My mom is 70. My dad is 80. And when I look at them, I don't see elderly. I feel like the, there's a certain generation that they're redefining what it means to be elderly. I mean, you've got 60-year-olds running marathons, you know? Yeah. And I, my, my mom's quite active and my dad's quite active. And, you know, I just look at them sometimes and I think, where you got all this energy from? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, can well, you, re like, relax, relax, you know? But no. I, I no. think it, when I say relax, I mean like leave me alone. You go do your thing. I just oh. want to sit here and sleep. But like, no, seriously. And I and I think it's great because my parents are retired. But just because they're retired doesn't mean they should just sit around and like dwindle and die. You know, it's like you know retirement. They've probably got. I think the the research now is that people have got fifteen, twenty years now in their retirement. So you got to do stuff, you know, travel, join clubs, go see your grandkids, blah, 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 blah. Exactly. But, you and know, that, it's important to be active. To, that is a concept that we would want to try and get people within the Caribbean. Now, and as I said, there are one or two groups and kudos to them, right? Uh, I'm sure they're doing that the, best that the best that they can. But we want to get persons at a maximum, a level of maximum physical activity mm. and make sure, one thing that we, we, you know, in terms of getting them out there and mixing with children, um, one, it's been shown in studies that persons with dementia and Alzheimer's actually work very well um, with children. 
actually there is a treatment called play doll therapy mm. with dementia patients and it's giving them a doll that mimics a child mm. and they actually take quite care, very good care of this doll, you know? Um, and pe- a lot of people don't know about it. It's, it's more in Australia, I think, and it, it's been introduced in the UK. They call it the Montessori approach to yeah, yeah. dementia care. Oh, wow. Okay. Right. Mm. Yeah, and so that uses a mixture of art and play and children to get the person stimulated, get them engaging in conversation, and to kind of slow the decline of aging a bit. We need to keep them out there doing stuff. We need to get them out in society doing stuff. And, you know, it, culture, culture-wise, we... we you know, it's sad to say, but we have a culture of why why are they even outside their house? Oh you know? God! And I don't I don't like that. I don't like that. I mean, my mom she gets up and she she got her she's got her swimming mates and they go swimming together like at the crack of dawn, you know, like right. five o'clock when it's still dark. I'm like, why are you in the ocean at this time? But they're out there and they're swimming and they talk and I just think. I think the way a society, no, she's quite active, but I think the way a society treats its elderly says a lot about its values, you know? And I think that the attitude that somehow they're old and why are they here? Why are they doing it? I mean, it's, they play an important role. They help raise the next generation, children, grandchildren, they've got things to do and they can be great mentors and teachers. And there's a lot, there's a lot, they volunteer their time and, and, you know, train other people. I think there's so many things that the elderly can do in the society. But um, I think again, if it goes back to culture and what resources are available for them Mm. to get engaged in society, because most of them, those who are able, Mm. I mean, they they are those that get up like your mom and go out and and do things. They're on Mm. the street, shopping, Mm. and they do things for themselves. But it's a bit hard um, in terms of, different uh, groups getting the support groups to get out and be among their peers which is Mm -hmm. what i think some of them would prefer yeah if they would participate in different activities i think they are more concerned with being around their peers especially if they are not ill Mm. right so we have different uh, programs but the program has to match what is actually wrong with the person for mm. instance a person active as your mom doesn't want to be around any kids she wouldn't want to be around kids well she um, does she want... does but not as much as how she likes no, being around yeah. her friends <laughs> well they would love to be around their grandkids and, yeah of course and but not for prolonged periods with <laughs> you know dementia or alzheimer's disease they would want to be around I'm going to use the same play doll therapy. Mm. They like having children around, mm. right? Um, so again, it's based on the needs of the person. We have to be careful when we are assessing the person, assessing the needs of the elderly, because we want to put in programs that make sense. Mm. We want to put in programs that are accessible to them. We want to make sure that they can get the most out of it when we are actually implementing it. Mm. Yeah? Yeah. 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 
I want to jump into the business aspect of what you do. How difficult is it to run a business, your own business, in this industry? Well, or is it not difficult at all? It's just like any it, other business. It, it has its challenges. Um, being a business person in general has challenges. You want to do so much, but there's only so much you can do because of lack of resources. Mm. And then there's the aspect of people not knowing what a gerontologist is. And mm. then there's the aspect of, can I even afford one? Because it sounds like a sort of expensive um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. title. Sure. And so there are the there are the challenges. So it's like any other business. I think my issue would be I would really love to do more in terms of implement a lot of bigger programs for elderly persons, and I am restricted in terms of resources. Um, and then my other issue would be a lot of people are not sensitized to the needs of the elderly. So it's diff and there are a lot of people who are just not interested in that aspect of business, because to be honest, dealing with old people, older persons, doesn't seem as glamorous as being a consultant who can travel and jet all over the world and talk about mm. lifestyle. Mm. It doesn't sound glamorous to people because when we think about geriatric, we think about pee, we think about people sick, dying, um, poor hygiene. These are Bed the things pan. we think about. Bedpans. Bedpan. Yeah. Walkers. Bedpan. <laughs> and it's actually really far from that. It, it's, mm. Yesterday, I had, yesterday, one of my appointments, um, I went to one of my clients' homes and she, she's like 79 and she's quite fine. I only visit her because the, the, the daughter, um, they don't have a caregiver for her. But she's quite active and she allows me to visit her time to time to make sure that, you know, things are okay with her within the house, um, the safety, um, safety measures around the house just in case, because she, she doesn't want a caregiver, but she doesn't mind having somebody coming once a week to check on her to make sure that everything is going, you know, okay. Um, and that's another challenge um, with businesses, with, with the business aspect of being yeah. a gerontologist, because sometimes you, again, you want to do so much for your clients, but they're restricted and you have to respect them when they say, you know what, I just don't want people in my house. I just don't want people in my space. However, you can come mm. and you can do um, your assessment and all of that. And I'm going to make sure that we follow it. We adhere to the to your recommendations and all of that. Um, but other than that, it, it's businesses. It's the training aspect of business is pretty okay. Because as I said earlier, I get a lot of people who are interested in caring for the elderly. But by the time we get into the middle of the course, now this is a three month course, right? Mm -hmm. it's a foundation, the short course. And by the time they get in the middle of it, uh, I, I get, I hear this a lot, Miss, I never knew all of this was involved in caring for the elderly. Mm. And I said, what did you think it was about? Mm. And they were, well, I just thought you had to feed them when they're hungry and, and just change their pampers. And I'm like, no, no, mm. there's mm. so much more involved in caring for the elderly. And I like to push that holistic approach. So you have to deal with their emotional needs, their psychological needs, of course, their physical needs, immobility, or, or um, you know, other safety needs. But I pay, have, I, I pay a lot of t attention on emotional needs mm. because 
as a person gets older, different things, you know, life happens. Mm. You lose your spouse, your children are not around. Different things happen. And day to day as we're hustling and going about our business, we don't think about when we get older, how we are going to deal with that. I was just going to say that. I was just going to say that. We get old too. I'm going to grow old one day. Yeah. As a young person, we don't think about that aspect of life, which is pretty, you know, I, I guess you're trying to build a life. And when you reach at that level, when you actually build a life or design the life you want, now we are thinking, okay, so what do I do next? What is yeah. happening now? Because my children are grown and they're gone. My husband probably died of an illness mm. or whatever. And what is going to happen, you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. But it sounds like uh, it, I, I, I'm assuming the challenges are just like running any other business. You have problem clients, you've got, um, you've got to seek out clientele. So do you join networks and organizations to, to find your clients or is, or is it mostly repeat customers? Uh, my clients I, are a mix of both. I, I get a lot of referrals mm. um, from persons who I've worked with already. And um, I, I must say, I have to say thanks to them because they are actually, I, I don't advertise on a huge scale my personal uh, business, um, being a gerontologist. Mostly I advertise the training aspect for persons who want to learn how to become geriatric caregivers. Um, so most of my business would come from referrals mostly uh, and some for, form of networking. Um, as I said, uh, geriatric to people, they, it's not glamorous. So it, it's a bit hard to throw out, um, hey, well, I'm Simone and, you know, I'm a gerontologist. First of all, people don't even know what you're talking about. So <laughs> it's maybe, it's not, it's not even, it's not as relatable to say, well, oh, well, okay, well, I'm into branding or I'm dining or I'm into business or, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. So, it's a there's an image problem it's an image problem yeah yeah people see geriatric as an old kind of thing and, and again it goes back to culture yes which hopefully yeah. um i i'm on a mission to sort of revamp that idea it will take a lot of work and a lot of projects i have a lot of plans for 2019 so hopefully that will be the start of a new mindset and trying to get persons to understand the dynamics of aging and not to think of aging as people on their that's bad you mm. know just waiting that um so let's see how these um these implementations will and i have some suggestions as well um for various groups so that we could come together and and, and be more forceful in getting the wood out there so let's yeah. see how 2019 will play out yeah, well, it sounds like you've got exciting plans ahead. Um, I'm thinking about um, someone who's who's listening in and they're interested in getting into this field. So I'm glad that you you kind of mentioned the stuff that you do and and some of the challenges that you have. But I think it's it's primarily an image problem. So you're like you said, your job is not glamorous, you know. <laughs> no, it isn't. But it's I mean, important. It's but it's important. And very um, rewarding. And yeah. Rewarding for me because even if you get to visit persons at the, at their homes, you know, 
what we can't replace wisdom and wisdom is something that you get when you sit with an elderly person mm. that has the well not those that are not you know yeah <laughs> um, yeah you know well suffering from neurological disorders but somebody yeah. who's 70 or 80 and has and is very logical and can have a, a conversation with you you can't replace the kind of knowledge um they are imparting on you we can't replace that you know um you can't replace uh, working with a family who has severe i mean severe issues in coping mm. it's not easy stuff seeing your mother on a bed every day when you come from work and you're doing what you have to do in terms of you're getting the caregivers and you're providing the medication and all of that but it's just not easy mentally to know your mother who was swimming yeah. or active doing yeah. things now is suffering from let's say cancer or suffering from yeah um, yeah yeah of diabetes and now they're in bed and every day that comes home it takes a toll on you and i am happy to have myself as a resource for those type of people through mm. you know one-on-one -on -one, um services i don't call it coaching because i don't coach people i'm not a coach um i'm not a counselor either what i can do is provide coping strategies for persons with age-related issues right mm. and different things that they can do on a daily basis to sort of ease the burden a bit Right, uh, it takes a toll on people. It, it's difficult. It's very difficult. And as I said earlier, people don't like to talk about it. Mm. Um, but it's hard. It's very hard, especially if you have a close-knit family. And you know, within some Caribbean countries, we are very close. Mm. You know, we're very, especially with our grandparents. And yeah, I, I, I think although it's not a glamorous feel, I am more than happy and content being that avenue and being that resource for persons um, who reach out to me for that sort of assistance. No, that's great. That's really great. Because I think, you know, and every family is different. You know, they've got some families, we've got a lot of siblings and siblings take turns taking care of elderly parents. Or if the, the parents are older, but they're still healthy, then, you know, the parents get involved with helping to raise the kids and the grandkids and cooking and and all that other stuff but you know for those who are not fortunate to have healthy parents and there are a lot of people like that you know there's every week they're going to hospital or it's a test or it's lab or it's this or it's that there's a lot i imagine you provide support for family members as well because there's it that's mentally draining to to deal with that all the time uh, every second South Friday, sorry, um, we introduced a support group about two months back for persons um, going through the same things that you expressed. And, um, you know, it, it takes a lot of coaxing to get people out and we have to encourage them a lot and let them know, you know what, this is really a judge-free zone and this is a confidential space so mm -hmm. you can come out and vent. Yeah, for sure. Some people that do things and they're like, I hate this. I hate, uh, I, I think we relate to them on a level that they are caring for their parents and they feel so stressed because they're tired because they have to care for their own families and plus uh, an aging parent. And it's hard and it gets frustrating. Um, they're called the sandwich generation mm. and they're called that way because they're like smack in the middle of their own thing 
and their aging parents and they have to like stretch themselves to try to keep everybody happy and when you try to keep everybody happy sometimes you end up being being a bit um stressed because we know it's impossible to please everybody Mm. and the sandwich generation is burnt out because they are trying to please their parents they're trying to be there for the parents because oh what will society think if i were to um not be there and but then they have their own family and then they're thinking oh what would my family think if i am not there Mm. because i'm spending too much time here so it's like they're constantly torn between those two um aspects of family and, and, and giving care and providing care and being there and still try to maintain a level of individuality because of course you can't lose yourself in the process while you're caring for other people. Mm. So our groups actually encourage persons to come out, be yourself, talk about the things that's frustrating you, talk to other people that, you know, would be experiencing the same thing. And you be surprised that they have some way of dealing with it that you never thought about and you get an idea you know and 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 support groups are really great and i hope to see an increase in the turnout in the support groups um i also want to do it virtually Mm. um one-on-one groups or small groups of five and i think people are more comfortable in small groups so i'm looking into possibly doing virtual groups for support groups for persons um with aging parents great great so what what do you think or what would you like let's let's say what would you like to see um in your country in trinidad um say in 10 years in in this area what would you like to see and what would you like to be a part of in 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 whatever it is you want to shape how would you like to be a part of it? I would like to see in my country more innovation with technology and mm. geriatric care. Um, I, as I said, I'm working on something for 2019, and I don't think it, it would be as big as I want it to be, but I hope over the years we will get more investors to develop that idea that I, I really can't share right now, okay. but definitely when it's on stream, I definitely hope you'll have me back and I would be happy to share it. Then. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. You're welcome anytime. We are, as I said, my business colleague and I and other um, stakeholders are working on a project. And, and I personally, nice. for me, I, I like inclusion for the elderly, mm. but I know it's not possible to actually have them um because of certain illnesses that it's not possible to keep them to mix them you know because they 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 can't reason the way we do so i am hoping maybe in the next 10 years that there will be more technology in place to Mm. assist our elderly population Mm. and to promote um more volunteerism Mm. um more inclusion even for those who are you know maybe possibly bedridden but I, I I'm, I'm thinking the way that my mind is set up as it relates to aging I don't really see limitations I see so much possibility to get people to enjoy life um yeah yeah well except they're in palliative care but I see yeah. so much possibility 
get persons out and to do more and, and just to be more and be fulfilled until the day that you actually die. So yeah. I'm hoping that the, the yeah, technology for me is, is the number one thing. I would like to see advanced technology with aging. And, and, oh, yeah. and there's been so much um, technology. I, I'm not talking about wheelchairs or walking sticks, but I'm actually talking about um, we have a, a developer here, a local developer, and he made an awesome app um, called Communicare. And I have to mention it because when he came to me with the idea, I figured this is so awesome for my clients, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and basically it's an app that, that tells people, it can tell me what my patient needs without me actually being in the room. And it actually shows me the amount of time that the caregiver can take to actually attend to the particular need of the patient. All of that while I I may not even be in the country, right? Right, right. That is a step in the right direction for me. And I hope to see more um, systems and stuff being developed, going in that particular direction of technology for the elderly. Great. I personally, um, within the Caribbean, because that's where I'm from, so that's what I want to speak on, would like to see more um, networks and associations and groups that get younger people, intergenerational, that get younger people working together with older people. I know that's something that a project I looked at many years ago happening in Spain, and um, it's excellent. I think the younger and the older generations have a lot to learn from each other. And they're both very similar because, you know, there's that saying once a man, twice a child. So when you're five, yeah, when you're five, six years old, you've got a lot of similarities with someone in their late 70s, 80s, 90s, you know, and you see a lot of, yeah, yeah, you see a lot of the exchange in curiosities and how they talk to each other and how they deal with each other. And I think there's a lot of interesting things that could come out of having intergenerational, um, groups, um, work together i think that could be really beneficial i I definitely agree yeah this was a great chat circulating about i saw a video circulating with that same concept Mm. of having like three or four year olds with some 70 year olds at a party and i'm telling you joanne that was a party Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah you know and amazing to see it was amazing to see the interaction and everything it was just so awesome it's really it's really funny so simone where can we find you are you on social media well, I am on social media. The website, I'm, I have a web, new website being developed. Hopefully, it should be launched by the ending of the year, early 2019. Okay. And I'm putting a lot of work into that website, mostly because my training now doesn't only cover persons in Trinidad and Tobago. We, with our accreditation, we have the opportunity to offer other persons the opportunity to get... Um, you know, certified in caregiving and and allow them to get international certification. So um, I can be found on Facebook in the meantime, on the Global Senior Care Institute page. Um, You also can find me on Instagram and on Twitter under the Global Senior Care Institute. So those are my three networks. Well, I'm also on LinkedIn. Great. Simone Black. So those are the places that you can actually find me for now until okay. that 
website is up and running. And I am pretty accessible. I'm very responsive to messages. So feel free um, to reach out. And I, I usually, you know, try to reply within 48 hours for the most once I see the message, that is. Right. And is there anything we can do for you? Is there anything that you need from us or, or the listeners, rather? Maybe you want well, to partner like something. Mm-hmm. I would like to work with persons who are interested in seeing elderly care be revamped. I'm open to working with NGOs. I'm open to working with consultants. Um, you know, just getting the word out there about aging. It's not something that we need to be fearful of. Mm. It's something that we can bring awareness to. And I am basically open to working with anybody who has a similar, um, a similar interest in the aging population. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I'm just, it doesn't matter what part of the world you're from mm. <laughs> because we have technology and just, and you see, you understand, Joanne, we have technology available for us and we yes. need technology available for older persons as well. Yeah. Because there are I mean, persons that WhatsApp us and text us. So yeah, my mom's got all of that. WhatsApp. <laughs> she's always on the computer, on the laptop, on the internet. She's got everything. Yeah. WeChat, everything. Yeah. yeah. A lot of, and a lot of older people do. It's the norm. It's not a big it's deal. It's the norm. Actually, the a study has found that older persons are actually more into um they call it gero technology. And yeah. a lot of people are now into it and more accepting of it mm. because they want to be in the know they, they want to <laughs> yeah yeah they want to be they want to and, and they are and they are facebook users mm. i saw that in the study as well um they are more to, they are more inclined to be on facebook mm. and be reading and sharing articles and stuff it was amazing mm. it was totally amazing I don't think my dad would ever get into Facebook. <laughs> but my mom is the queen of forwards. You know those WhatsApp forwards? Oh, my God. Listen, John, I don't know where. Every day. Every morning. Yes, first thing. Every morning. First thing in the morning, like 5 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, oh, my God, I know who this is. Where do they get? And listen, these things, are, they get things that are not even... Like, if you go on the internet and you do a Google search, you don't even see these things. So I don't no. know from the person that um, I, I, I consider a grandmother, I call her Gram. So she's actually a paternal, she's a, a maternal, well, the head of uh, another generation in our family. And um, because she's the oldest, I call her Grams. Mm. And Grams every morning, uh, even, well, now my phone is on silent and I can guarantee you I check it i'll see about four five or six forwarded <laughs> messages they're yeah. pretty funny sometimes i look at it like you know what i'm just happy for it she's alive exactly exactly and, um, you know, yeah I, I and don't there's days and if i go a morning and i don't get a forward i'm like wait what's going on what happened and yeah, then you I get worried and as soon yeah and as soon as i say that like six of them come in all at once boom 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 <laughs> okay She's rocking. She's okay, up. She's well. Yeah. yeah. So I, I use it like, okay, I, I don't really reply to it. I'm very guilty of that. I don't reply to it, but I'm just see, I see it as, okay, well, she's fine. She's okay. She probably So I, I, although it's a lot, I sort of look forward to those messages just to know that. But yeah, she's okay. Yeah. yeah. 
it's 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 endearing isn't it it's sweet i mean we're all gonna get there someday and i always say you know i'm am i going to who's going to take care of me and you know uh, yeah. what, what's it going to be like and because the world is changing everything is so different things are changing so rapidly so um this this is definitely a conversation we need to we need to have again um yeah definitely definitely yeah. It's so much to talk about because then the other aspect of aging, um, we have to speak, we, people actually, I shouldn't say we, but people on a whole should be thinking long-term. When you get older, do you have money put aside? How is your budgeting? How is your insurance? Can afford caregivers if you get ill? Would you need a caregiver? Are you physically active? And while being, while saying yes or no to, well, I need a caregiver is a bit premature. Mm. Um, we just don't know what can happen. And so we have to prepare for anything. Anything can happen. Yep. And do you right? have a retirement? And do you have a retirement package? Do you have a pension? Yeah. Does that pension yeah. cover health care? Where are you going to live? God forbid something happens. What are you going to do? What about your house? Yeah. But these are, these are frank uh, conversations you've got to have with your parents, your grandparents, your great-grandparents if they're still alive. You have to have these mm. conversations Joanne, I am so happy you said that because I I think I did a post on um, Instagram recently and it was something along that line in terms of speaking to your parents, having candid conversations with, uh, um, with persons, with your parents and what they need as they get older. How do they feel about going into a nursing home? You, do you give them options? Do you give them preferences? But uh, funny enough, as a, a culture, I don't think we speak about it because we don't really want it to happen. So we think, well, if we don't speak about it, it's probably not there. It, it's not going to happen. And we don't have to deal with it if we don't speak about it. And that's a fact. That's how we are. I mean, not even mm. aging. I mean, as a young person, sometimes we tend to avoid things that we don't want to deal with. Right? And I, I, we don't have these conversations with our parents because we don't want to ever think of them as old or feeble yeah. we don't ever want to think of them as we you know yeah we, we don't have we, we think our parents are superhumans. oh yeah for those who have a good relationship with their parents yeah yeah, yeah. We, we, we think they're superhumans. point black my you know my, so, my situation is a little different i can say because my parents Talk, we talk about death a lot. I know this is kind of weird for some people, but growing up, death mm -hmm. was always a conversation in the house, you know, like, yeah, when you die, da, 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 this, da. so it's not taboo. And it's kind of like, right. yeah, when I die. So I grew up talking so much about death. I mean, even like just, just like yesterday or two days ago, I was talking to my dad. He's like, yeah, when the good Lord take me, then I go, no. And like, really? Just, like, that's just. <laughs> No, like that's just like, and I know for some people it's like, huh, is he just waiting around to die? No, but that's just how, that's just how my parents speak. So death is always a conversation. Like my mom, like my mom has already told me in details what she wants me to do when she dies. Everything. Uh, let me be very honest. There was one time, and it sounds weird, right? Because I am, it's like sort of not practicing what to preach. But mm. many, well, now I'm changed. I've, I've changed a lot, of course. Um, mm. But before, I remember years ago, my mom tried to initiate that conversation, and she was like, <laughs> "Well, you know, when I die, she was like, when I die, um, 
I don't want to be cremated. Don't put me in a box. I want to be cremated. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. I was like, what, what are you talking about? And I just instantly switched the conversation because I couldn't, I don't want to think about my parents dying. But now I'm more open to, I'm a bit more open to the conversation and saying, you know what? Yeah, let's talk about it because sooner or later it probably is going to happen. Yeah, like death, death is a common topic. Death was a common topic in my house. Like it was very common. And I think, I know that freaks a lot of people out, but it just was. So for me, it's like, yep, we are going to go someday. So let's just talk about it. Let's (laughs) talk about how we're going to sort it out and how how we're going to do this. But yeah, mm -hmm. death is very... I I think that's that's great. Um, A lot of people have a far way way to go in terms of having that conversation with their parents. And um, But I think also because they had me older, you know, like mom's 70, I'm um, dad's 80 and I'm 40. So maybe because they had my dad had ah. like it was always like, you know, and I'm the last one. So I don't know. It could it could be it could be that, too. But yeah, I I know I know exactly what they what they want when they want it to happen, what they want to do. Like they, they, it's always just this is this is what you need to do. So I'm just like, okay, that's it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it's 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 something that a lot of people have. It's an idea people have to warm up to. Mm-hmm. I don't think that, especially young persons, mm. I don't think people want to talk about when their parents die. Mm. I don't think people do, and mm. I, I think when it when death happens like so suddenly, it, it sort of gives us a blue because we never really got the opportunity to speak about it. And, the question, the, I think, the question we need to ask ourselves if we're avoiding that is: Am are you prepared to live without your parents? I well, that's I what it is because. <laughs> No, it's true. Are you prepared to live because if you if you are not prepared to live without them, then you're not ready to have the conversation about them. Conversation, very true. Um, but you know, I'm happy you said that because if it's it's difficult to Mm -hmm. actually go out and ask somebody, are you prepared to live without your parents? (laughs) You gotta ask yourself. You know, you know, you gotta ask yourself. Yeah, they would be like, what? No, and you know some people enjoy all this mother-daughter time and the family bonding and mm. we appreciate it a bit more when we are in our mid-30s and our 40s and yes. we're trying to yes. have yes. children of our own and family of our own and then we're trying yes. to yes. Um, you know get all this good information and, 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 and knowledge and tips yes. and advice and how to deal with these children so we appreciate it at a certain time and I don't think at that time anybody wants to talk about well, what do you want me to do for you if you die? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. nobody would want to have that conversation at that point in time. But you know, it's it's that's good. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I like the way you brought it across. Mm. And um I think I agree with you. If if you can't if you ask somebody that and, and based on the response, it's a bit I think that's an indicator whether or not they will have that type of conversation with your with their parents. Yeah, and I mean, and it's it's you know like it's we've talked about wills and what's in the will and oh yeah all that stuff and it's hard but you have to do it because if God forbid something happens to one of your parents and you don't know whether they had a will and where the will is and who is in the will you know after people die families have big fights because of things like this 
Well, even even while the person, sometimes we've had experiences with siblings. Sibling, um, you know, tension between siblings is often a big, a big thing when um, a, a parent gets ill, right? Mm. Um, because we have, we always have the the sibling that will complain, you know, Mrs. Blackwood, or they, they call me Simone. I try not to be so, you know, in like formal with them. Mm. And they're always like, you know, this person is not doing this. I have this brother and he's not even doing this. He's not coming. And mm. then one person will complain, you know, I have this sister and she's not here and she's not this. And then mm. she's collecting pension. She's collecting the money and I have to pay out of pocket. And, you know, a lot of things. And so it comes back to what you said earlier about having that conversation earlier, mm. early. So that way when something happens unexpectedly, you at least know how to go about with it. But most times, you know, sometimes in the Caribbean, right? We, our grandparents have a habit of hiding things. Mm -hmm. We like to hide. Secretive. Mm -hmm. Secretive, it's not even funny. Mm. So when things happen, most times it leaves the family members in a state of shock. Mm. I didn't know she had this. I didn't know she put this person in charge of this. I didn't know this. I didn't know that. I, you know, it, it, it's... You find out she has money under the bed. Yes. <laughs> oh, Lord. She has money here. She has this tucked away here. And while she's in bed, she probably can't speak or she can't talk. And, mm. and everybody's fighting and... And if she had only said before, listen, I have $20,000 in XYZ bank. If anything were to happen to me, mm. um, so, so, so is in charge. And, mm. um, mm -hmm. you know, that can be used to take care of me. But because we so like to hide and it comes back again, what I said earlier about the support groups, people don't want to come out because people think it's so taboo to talk about aging and, and stress and, 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 and family issues, you know, it, people don't like to talk about it a lot, but a lot of things can be resolved if we just open our mouths and say something. Mm. I, you know, I want to share this last thing before my mom, I, I, I'm glad my mom's not going to listen to this podcast, but um, I remember one time she was going to have just a minor procedure done and she wrote this very elaborate letter and put it in the drawer in her bedroom, right? Right. And then, so she procedure is done, and she comes back, and she's and I I was just randomly in the draw, and I said so I read the letter, and I said, well, what is this? She said, oh, I wrote that for you just in case anything happened to me. <laughs> so I said, I said, so why would you? I don't understand. First of all, it was the procedure wasn't anything serious, so why would you right. be so dramatic and emotional? And secondly, why would you put it in the draw? Why didn't you just give it to me and put it in my hand? Why right. do you have to be like, what is this? And the letter was, oh, um, if you need this, do this. And if you need this, do that. And then at the, so and then at the end, no, it gets better. At the end, she puts, I write in the name of the Lord. I was like, mom, really? Like, seriously? I was like, this is your letter to me. And she said, yeah. I just, and I was, and we just. I, I think it's a thing. We just start talking about saying to show that she's still in some mind and somebody when she wrote the letter because you know sometimes family members even you start um you know to 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 going to disrepute with, with with other things wills and to contest but it was silly it was silly stuff like you can but find an extra, you can find an extra copy of this key here 
um, I put this there. Like it was stuff about the house and so on. But I was like, um, it was she could have told simple. you that too. Exactly. Why did you write it? I think she was in one of her dramatic moments and she wrote the letter. Right. And I was like, mom, really, you, you tell me how you want to die, when you want to die, all these things about death. But you, you put this in a letter. This is so bizarre. And she just started laughing. I was like, okay, <laughs> just forget it. I think she was bored and she didn't have any. Yes. And she wrote the letter and put it not in my draw, in her draw, in her bedroom. Right. And I right. thought that was, and she's like, oh, because I know you were going to check this draw at some point. So that's why I put it there. Do you, like, are you sleeping in your mother's draw? That's it. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. I was like, Mom, why would I check the draw? She said, I just figured you'd go in there one day eventually. I'm like, Okay, Mom. What? <laughs> so, so that that is bizarre behavior. But they, I think, it um, is bizarre. It is bizarre. Yeah. But yeah. you know. But I think I have their moods, and I think memories like that make us appreciate it more because it <laughs> happens. So you have that story to share with me and possibly your children if you have any. So yeah. you know, these things, all of these little things are actually part of the process of aging. Yeah. And, um, yeah. It, it it makes for good memories. But it then if she, good. but then if she's got some massive thing going on, she's not like that. She's just like, yeah. She's, not she's she yeah. So she's it's doing. it's very strange. Parents are interesting, but I want to to and grandparents too. I want to thank you so much for this uh, lovely conversation, and mm-hmm. I want to thank you also for the work that you're doing because it's um. This work is really unique, as we know. It's very specialized work, and I've never, ever, ever met someone doing your work before. So this was a uh, really interesting um, conversation uh, for for me to have. I've learned a lot, so thank you so much. You and welcome. and before you go, I'd like to ask you one question before you go. What is the definition of rareness to you? What does it mean to be rare? To be rare, mm-hmm. several definitions come to mind, but to be rare is to be unique in yourself. It's to be um, unique in what you have to offer the world. I think my definition comes with what I do as a career, as a professional, as a gerontologist. Um, to be rare, you have to offer people something that, you know, they can't something that they, they, they can't find anywhere else you can't it's so so much is coming to mind when we see when you ask me that question and I, I don't want to ramble on and on <laughs> so much is coming to mind you know but yeah I would say you rare you have to be make sure and be authentic mm. that me it's being rare because we're in a world where everybody's trying to mold somebody and tell them what they should be mm. um what they think they should be what they think would be better and, mm. and, and every things that they can tell you what is good for you so mm. for me to be rare means to be unique uniquely mm. you to mm. stand out among the rest mm. and to give persons something of yourself that you know they really cannot find anywhere else Mm, I like that. Interesting. Very cool. So that is it, Rare Ones. Now you know the De- Simone's definition of rareness. You've learned a bit more about who she is, what she does, her profession, and what it's like building a business in her field. And we had some good chats about 
um, just generally what it's like being around the elderly. So this was really refreshing. This was an interesting conversation for me. Um, so thank you again, Simone. And until next time, bye for now. Bye. Bye.